All right. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. I'm your host, Matt Hines. Excited to have you here and joining us uh, for another exciting episode. We keep these short, 20 minutes or less, and uh, get you back on your workday. If you are watching or listening uh, from uh, LinkedIn Live today, thank you for joining us in the middle of your workday. Uh, if you are watching and live, you have an opportunity to be part of the show. If you have a question on our topic today around personalization, person-based advertising, selling into tough times, which we seem to be in or moving towards or maybe behind. It's really hard to know. Um, but lots of stuff to cover today. If you have a question or comment, please throw that into the LinkedIn comments and we'll help make you part of the show. If you're watching or listening on demand, thank you very much for checking us out. Every episode of Sales Pipeline Radio, past, present, and future available at salespipelineradio.com. Excited to have with us today, Joe McNeil, Chief Revenue Officer for Influ2. Uh, Joe, thanks very much for joining us today. Yeah, thrilled to be here, Matt. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of things we talked about potentially covering here. Uh, we're for, for sure going to run out of time, but I think you know, certainly, you know, the idea of personalization uh, in in a, in a in a time when you know we're having a harder time getting the attention of prospects, uh, having a harder time sort of getting through to prospects. I think personalization is a key part of that. You guys use this phrase "person-based advertising," so I wanted to have you sort of maybe anchor us in that conversation first. What does person-based advertising mean? And why is that important now? Yeah, quite simply, it is hyper-targeted advertising. So it is creating an advertising campaign and then assigning specific people that you would like to see that campaign. So in, in today's world, you know, there's there's a lot of noise out there and being able to get relevant information in front of uh, people's eyes is important. And, and let's let's separate the idea of sort of account-based advertising with person-based advertising, right? Because I think there's still, if the stats I saw are right, that, you know, 73% of B2B companies, even those that say they're doing account-based advertising work, still have one message for everybody at that account. And, you know, I mean, if you've, you've customized it to that account, or at least to someone in that industry, well, that's better than just a one-size-fits-all. But you're missing an enormous opportunity to, to, to bridge that final gap of personalization for the individuals. Correct. Yeah. I mean, if Matt, if you and I work at the same organization, you know, we're both operating on the commercial team, but you know, the message that resonates with you and the message that resonates with me is going to be different as uh, you know, I'm overseeing sales, you'd overseeing marketing. So mm -hmm. you want to make sure you're able to tailor a relevant message to the relevant audience. Well, we may have the same objective, right? You know, we can sort of say, do jazz hands at sales kickoff and say, we're thinking about the same thing. But our the way we approach that objective is going to be different, right? I mean, if you're running sales, I'm running marketing. That's one thing. But if you're running sales and I'm one of your SDRs, we think about the world a little differently as well. We bring a different perspective. We bring different history. We have different objectives and maybe a different dashboard that we think about. The, obje the What we're solving and what you may be selling us may be the same thing. But the way we think about that and building that internal consensus is really important. How how Talk a little bit about just the power of that as 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 companies embrace sort of these complex sales situations that you know we used to say boy it was enterprise companies they take forever and there's eight to twelve people in the buying process complexity in selling is happening everywhere now i think especially this year as we're seeing sales cycles lengthen that direct personal connection is even more important yeah i think where i started to really see it take shape was was during covid Right, mm -hmm. like the idea of the buying group and making consensus decisions among amongst a group became bigger and bigger. From the sense that you know, no one wanted to make a decision in a vacuum. You know, everybody wanted alignment on what we're going to do. Right. But 
you know, what's a common use case is, you know, the user base that's intended for your platform, whatever it may be, a lot of times it makes their job easier, but making the user base's job easier is not a great business case for the C-suite. So, you know, from a messaging standpoint, you want, as a salesperson, you want to make sure your user base knows how it's going to empower their day-to-day because, you know, people make buying decisions, not companies. You know, the, the, these groups are, are made up of humans and yep. they're going to think of what's best for them first. So yep. th- it becomes important to get the right message to the right people. Yeah. Yeah. No buildings do not write checks. And so you still, even in a complex B2B situation, you know, selling into fortune 100, still the people. Um, and you know, those people don't always make rational decisions. Um, even if you're at an enterprise company, um, and you have shareholder responsibility, you still bring emotion. You still bring personal goals into the, into the, into the conversation. Let's talk a little bit about, I mean, it's one thing to say we're taking the message to the person and we're personalizing it to individuals, but let's talk about what that message is. Like how should companies think about, you know, business value for what you're selling and how to balance that with sort of personal needs and personal objectives that individuals who are going to make these decisions that are going to sort of make a commitment to change, how, how you know, how important is it and how do you then combine personal professional um, objectives and needs? Yeah, I think, you know, the further up the org chart you go, the more strategic the needs, right? The more impactful the needs, the more high level mm-hmm. the needs where, you know, when, when you get into more of the doer user roles, it's more tactical. How does this help me do my day to day? How does mm-hmm. this help, you know, solve the pain I'm seeing in accomplishing mm-hmm. the goals I need to see? And I think a big part of it, especially with us is, you know, we can track engagement without forms. So you can open up you know, the idea of providing content to these individuals without them, you know, creating a barrier for put your name here, put the form here, download this or gating content. That's always, you know, the age old dilemma to gate or not to gate. Well, yeah, boy, we can go on a whole tirade on that. I think, you know, like only three to 4% of people fill out forms. That's not a new statistic that's been happening for a very long time. Um, and so if someone is really interested in learning more about your solution or just interested in sort of educating themselves about the problem, if they're highly motivated, the last thing you want to do is put a barrier in front of them. So being able to sort of let people explore the way they want to. And speaking of that, I mean, sometimes we think about this buying committee and it's always so funny for years, you know, we think the way we sell is the way people want to buy. And there's always and it's, too many companies have a conflict between sort of the selling uh, process they want to follow and the way their customers buy. And as we think now about buying committees, we're like, oh, great. We got these eight people in a buying committee and here's these stages of the buying process they go through. And so we're going to march all eight of them through stage by stage at the same time. That's not reality as well. So how do you think about sort of sequencing the message across those buying committee members. What are you looking for from the early indicator, sort of those tip of the spear uh, people in the buying committee? And is there a way to use that to build some consensus internally amongst folks to help increase velocity of not just the deal, but just a commitment to change? Yeah, I mean, at the highest level, like as an AE, we know that multi-threading your opportunities is like the biggest driver of conversion rates right now, right? We all know Mm -hmm. that. The problem is it's hard and and sometimes companies make it hard because if I'm talking to Matt, he's saying, hey, I'm your guy. You don't need to talk to anybody else. I'll broker all those conversations. And it puts you in a bind because you don't want to go around them, but you know you need to. Right. And on the other on the flip side, like the organization knows that multi-threading the opportunities is is very important. But a lot of AEs don't get a lot of support from the organization in multi-threading. So, you know, quite simply, 
if you think of everybody as a green light, yellow light, red light, like as an AE, you're at least trying to get the red lights to yellow and the yellow lights to green. And I think depending mm -hmm. on where they are in the decision-making process and how good of a bead you have on that, you know, what type of messaging you need. And you can just look at, you know, your former wins and losses and think, you know, what was the anatomy of this winning deal? Why do we think we won it? And how do we, you know, reverse engineer that into messaging to resonate with the next one? And the same thing with losses. Why do we think we lost this? And how do we, how do we mitigate that on the next one? When you hear the phrase multi-threaded opportunities, uh, you know, for the marketers listening to this, you know, they may say, okay, like that, maybe that's a new topic. Or if you're in marketing or sales, you're like, okay, that is a sales strategy, right? Of saying, okay, I got multiple people. My job as a relationship manager is to sort of manage those different conversations, help get them aligned. Um, becoming a more and more important priority for marketing organizations to do it as well. It's not just segmentation of message. It's coordinating those different relationships and stages in a, in a, what is often a messy buying committee situation. What are some best practices for how marketers should be thinking about multi-threaded opportunities to support their sales teams? Yeah, I think there needs to be a consensus amongst the commercial team on who are our key personas, who, who are the key individuals we, that are a part of the buying group. And where do they fit in the decision making? Are they an influencer? Are they a champion? Are they a decider? And who are our possible, you know, detractors? Mm -hmm. And I think if you can get that alignment between sales and marketing, it, you can march forward in terms of like, here is what, you know, as a salesperson, you don't want to turn your nose up at opportunities, but there is a, a variation in the health of opportunities and, and how, how strong certain pipeline is. And I think everyone being on the same page of that is great. Talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio today with Joe McNeil. He's the Chief Revenue Officer at Influ2. We're talking a little bit about multi-threaded sales situations, personalized marketing. If we have time, we're going to get his assessment of what is it, year five of Row the Boat and whether we're moving in the right direction uh, there at, uh, at Minnesota Football. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to talk about sort of sales and marketing teams working together as you've grown in your role in sales leadership. Uh, I expect you've seen sort of a dramatic evolution of marketing's partnership with sales. Um, talk a little bit about what you see working today. Um, what are some real best practices for how sales and marketing don't just, again, like not jazz hands at SKO, but like operationally operate together in an integrated way. What are the, what are the things that you see working best today? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you see the rise of the revenue-based title, right? Mm -hmm. Revenue operations instead of sales and, and marketing operations. And sort of, it's the recognition that Revenue generation is a company initiative, not just a sales initiative, right? And I think quite simply, like to me, marketing and sales uh, uh, alignment starts with definition of what it means to win for both teams. It has to be the same. They have to operate on the same definition of what it means to, to win. So goals, while that's not a new concept, it, it's, it's not overly complicated, but they need to have alignment on what it means to win so they can optimize in the same direction and they can continue to triage problems and work together. Secondly, I think you just have to have aligned leadership, right? Mm -hmm. if, if your leadership team, if, if the overall sales and marketing order organization doesn't see the leadership working together, marching together and supporting one another, then, then you're in trouble. I would hundred percent agree with that. I mean, this is not, this is not a campaign. This is a culture change that has to happen in organizations that do this well. Um, and, and even if you have that, even if you have that executive alignment, even if you expect that we're going to have some discipline and patience to do this right, um, 
not everything's going to work well, right? I mean, like, you know, sales teams never hit their number all the time. Um, marketers never have flawless campaigns. And that's that was true when they were working independently. And it's certainly still true when they work together. Talk a little bit about sort of this, you know, the mindset you take into that, in, in especially sort of assuming the best of intentions, you know, from the from your partners, uh, sort of that helps increase collaboration and understanding across teams as they execute. Yes. So I stole this term from a former CEO of mine, but like the culture I try to build that I try to foster is, is a collaborative meritocracy, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty flat, a lot of brainstorming, you know, and with that, you get a lot of bad ideas, but honestly, the good ideas come from the sea of bad ideas. And I think, you know, just because you're an SDR doesn't mean you can't have ideas on marketing. And just because you're a, a marketing intern doesn't mean you can't have uh, ideas on sales. Like, you know, there's no, there's no sacred cows. And if, if your go-to-market and your strategy can't stand up to scrutiny from the team or just in general, then maybe that it shouldn't be your go-to-market or strategy. So I think for, for everyone, I think sometimes, you know, organizations are looking for this panacea or this new strategy that's really just going to catapult them. And the reality mm -hmm. is growth is usually a ton of small incremental improvements over time. You know, you have right. to just constantly be tweaking the model and iterating. And if everybody is engaged in that, it's just so much easier. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. It's amazing to me that we still see people that are managing, even senior level, you know, managers in complex sales situations expect there's going to be like one thing that they can fix or like one silver bullet. Or, you know, if we could just figure out dark social, if we could just figure out paid search, if we could just figure out, you know, the SDR function, it, it's a body of work. It's a body of work of thing, various things working together, sort of, you know, you think about that sort of vertically, but then horizontally across time. I mean, you know, if you've got sales cycles that are sort of, you know, in months or quarters or like if you're in federal sales, God help you, you're in Olympic cycles, right? Like yeah. it's not going to be like a white paper download. It's not going to be an SDR sequence. So really thinking about that more broadly. And so, you know, at the risk of, you know, broadening this conversation too much, you get into that question then of attribution. Right. And so, like, as a leader who's thinking about sort of overall go to market motions, what's your perspective on how to think about attribution and impact by sales and marketing motions across a, a, a journey that is messy and complex? Yeah, I mean, it's it's attribution is, is such a, a tough topic. I, I like to think of it as influence. Right. Like you have to look at all of the influencing factors that went into a deal. Right. It's way it's way too hard to pinpoint. I mean, maybe there's certain times where you can pinpoint like this is the event, you know, that that really got this off. But there's so many influencing factors. And then you can get to if you have the same. This is this is where alignment matters. If you all have the same definition of what it means to, to win, then you yeah. get together and you look at that influence and you start making decisions on what the level of influence was amongst mm -hmm. the, the variables. And where do we need to do more and where do we need to do less? And how do we think this impacted it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's messy. And I think that um, it, it's important to have the right mindset going into that. Having a leadership team, as you said, that is bought off on this, that has some staying power and longevity and saying, we're going to do this right. Um, but then sort of looking at what's working and looking at what matters and sort of figuring out, okay, like, where are we doing well? Where do we see trends? Where do we see consistent results and leaning into that? Um, as we wrap up here, uh, we didn't talk about this beforehand, so I'm making a bit of a guess that as a Minnesota alum, uh, Minnesota football is important to you. I think we're going in year five of P.J. Fleck running your organization. He came over as a very charismatic. I think of him as the Russell Wilson of college football coaches, that he's very charismatic. He's got his catchphrases. 
Minnesota seems to be doing better, but as a Minnesota alum, if I assume that you're a football fan, like what's your assessment of the PJ Fleck era so far? He he's progressing at the perfect cadence. If he got okay. too good too quick, he'd just get hired by UCLA or or Nebraska or something. Correct. Right? Right. So True. so he needs to have very incremental progress uh, yeah. in order to stick with us for a while. So I think we're all happy that that at least we're we have some relevance and there's a few games a year that matter that that we can get excited about. Yeah, and that I, we've, I, we've been better than Wisconsin too, so that's that's really our barometer. See, see you talk you talk about you get into those those rivalry games like who gets the uh, the Paul Bunyan the Paul Bunyan axe at the end of the year like it's it's just you, you win that and you're you're in better shape. I think Urban Meyer, Deion Sanders, front runners for Nebraska Nebraska job. That's my hot take at this point. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, Joe, thank you so much for your time. Uh, appreciate it. If we want to learn more about Influ two, where's the best place to go? Yeah, um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Be happy to chat. Website, influ2.com as well. Um, you know, we're happy to talk through how we can support pipeline generation. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll make sure we get your LinkedIn profile into the show notes so people can follow you there. Thanks, everyone, so far, so much for uh, uh, catching up with us today. Thanks for watching. Uh, Francis, thanks for writing your college team as well. Glad we could get a little bit of fun into the conversation in addition to a uh, little sales and marketing chat. We'll see you next week, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. Uh, my name is Matt Hines. We'll see you on another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. Thanks, Matt. 